Uh, yeah, actually, I was ready early, and that's why I sent you the squirrely right. guy at 8.18, and then I just have been waiting. And then I got like off on some Wikipedia tangent, which I'm sure you'll be really surprised to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, the alphabet used to include a 27th letter, mm. and it was ampersand. What? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, like... So, okay, okay. We still so, have ampersand. We do, we do. So, okay, so, so ampersand... Like and you really get to Z, and then you say ampersand. Well, so this is the thing. So ampersand means and, right? Uh-huh. And it... Do you know where it comes from? Do you know where ampersand... E-T. It's like a Latin E-T. It comes from et, the Latin for and, which is E-T, right? And so if you... Latin scribes, to, to be faster, would write in cursive. Mm-hmm. And the cursive combination of E and T is how we get the modern ampersand shape. Right. And you can see that in some fonts. Like, I'll put a link in the show notes, but Caslon is like the canonical, uh, sure. it's easy to see the E-T font. But so in the 1800s, ampersand was part of the alphabet, but it wasn't called ampersand. It was just called and. Okay. So when school children would recite the ABCs, they would end with X, Y, Z, and then because saying xyz and would be really awkward because it would seem like it didn't end they would use a phrase that was very popular at the time which was per se which means do you know what that means uh i mean i feel like i could use it in a sentence but i wouldn't be able to wait use it in a sentence uh that's not funny per se <laughs> see that is probably an an okay use of it but i feel like you're using it in the way that most people think it means okay which is to something like that that thing isn't really I wouldn't describe it as funny. It's like a negation. Yeah, like it's not technically or not literally. Right. What per se means is by itself. Oh, okay. So you're not wrong because you could say, well, that's not funny by itself. And it kind of does mean what you want it to yeah, mean. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's not quite what the way that it's I not was trying quite. to use it now. Right. So what kids would say, and apparently in the like 17, 1800s, you would use per se. I love that you actually have an answer to my question about the ABC song. <laughs> I thought I was going to throw you off your game. You're like, okay, let me tell you about the song. <laughs> no, I'm totally, I'm so here. So, so, so in the 1700s, 1800s, when you were spelling things, if you were going to just use a single letter like I, you would say per se I. So you would like meaning like I by itself. And so what the kids would sing in the 1800s was X, Y, Z and per se and. Seriously, in the 1800s? Yeah. That the XYZ per se and. Yeah. And so what happened is over time, kids singing it quickly and kind of without knowing what they were doing slurred it. No. <laughs> and and per sand and became ampersand. That's see, this feeling like you're trolling me. That's so no, this is where the word ampersand comes from. <laughs> you're saying an alphabet song. The last thing was it was and, and you'd say and per se and. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we get ampersand. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, that's good. That makes me happy. Yeah. I I feel like people aren't gonna believe that your whole fact ended up being based on this song and that my initial question was to challenge you on the It does song. seem like you were you knew, but you didn't know. Because we don't share these things. Let me ask you this. What is your favorite ampersand in a font? Do you have one? Uh, that's a good question. I feel like I am the kind of person who would have an answer to that. Yeah. But I don't normally 
it's very rare that if when I'm designing something and I'm designing something fancy enough that it's worth pulling an ampersand out of another font to try and match it to the thing that I'm, that oh, okay. I'm making. Yeah. Sure. Well, you know what I realized while doing this, while researching this fact, is that oftentimes, you know, when, I, when I'm writing by hand, I, won't, I don't actually know how to draw an ampersand. So what I will do is I'll draw the the other variant, right, which has like kind of like a three and a line through it kind of vibe. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's also a representation of ET. Oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, isn't that cool? Like I just never thought of that. I'm now looking at at ampersands, at and fans, of course, they, fans so many percents. of them really look very ampersandy, or like yeah. they look very ET. Like uh, this one here, Sophia Pro. Um, is very ET. I'll copy that one. Uh, do that. Oh wow! If you look up Sophia Pro ampersand, you do not get that font. Oh no! I'm sorry. <laughs> not... Oh yeah, totally. I like this one. This is the kind of ampersand I like, where it's like a little bit fancy. A little bit fancy, a little bit rock and roll. It's a little bit fancy, a little bit, but not going all the way to like a crazy. Oh, script. that's pretty cool. What what font is that? This is Allegria. Huh. I've never even heard of that font. Yeah, I appreciate a good ampersand. That's good. Just get more ampersand-related facts in there. Okay. This one of... Uh, I, th- this is combines uh, Science Corner. Which, That's a good corner. Which is a good corner. And History Corner together. Even, even better corner. Uh, so, fun fact. There's a scientific theory, popular in the 1600s, that fire is, in fact, a substance contained in every flammable object called phlogiston oh so is the idea here that that something that what's happening when something is on fire is that the phlogiston has gotten out yeah the phlogiston is coming out and that is that's what's fire and so anything that is flammable you might not have known this but it turns out i did not spell phlogiston right by the way (laughs) phlogiston uh Anything that's flammable it actually has phlogiston in it, and when it, when it's on fire. So what we what you know people in modern times might refer to as combustion, it's actually yeah. the process the process of dephlogistication. Oh, yeah. So there's okay. a, a German alchemist and adventurer. That's a great combo. <laughs> you know he. he this is. And I'm a, already excited. A, a, <laughs> a very trustworthy individual yeah rigorous if they're an alchemist and adventurer and an adventurer johan becker in 1667 uh, came up with this theory and then it, it became quite popular in the 1600s uh as chemistry was kind of becoming like it was sort of transitioning from alchemy into chemistry and they're getting more scientific and rigorous with their their observations and experiments um but the idea was that when something ignites it releases its phlogiston into the air um, but one of the first questions that came out of that is like, well, if all these things, anything burning is releasing phlogiston into the air, you might ask, Alan, why doesn't the air burn then if it has all this phlogiston in it? Yeah, I want to ask that. Why? Yeah. So the reason why is because the air doesn't burn because the, the, as plants, when plants are growing, the way that they, like one of the key things that lets plants grow is they absorb phlogiston back out of the air. And that is why plants are flammable. Oh, because they have the phlogiston. They in don't them. have any phlogiston in them naturally. Well, yeah, it, it, when a seed is like in the ground or whatever, you know, it doesn't really have much phlogiston. Uh-huh. But then, as the plant is growing, it's taking phlogiston out of the air and putting it into the plant, and that's why you can burn a plant because it has phlogiston in it. 
and then it'll put it back into the air. I just want to shout out to DuckDuckGo that I typed into the search box, Flogiston, F-L-O-J-I-S-T-A-N. Which is not even close to how it's actually spelled. No, and they had like that box on the side with like Flogiston theory. Yeah, it's like, no, I know what you mean. This Which is this. actually spelled P-H-L-O-G-I-S-T-O-N. Yeah, I'd originally so thought it was pronounced... Almost none of the letters. I'd originally thought it was pronounced Flogiston, which would have been better. But That's incredible. Is that a country? Uh, well, it's just what Alan thought the phlogiston theory of of fire was originally called. But <laughs> we could we could maybe lobby for them to change it. But I think it's a little bit set by now. So, so as you can imagine, when a when a theory, a ground shaking theory like this when comes a theory out, becomes a law. When a theory becomes a law, <laughs> um, the other alchemists and chemists are going to try and you know understand it better and and fit the things they discover into this theory that became the the popular theory. Sure. So uh, a little bit later, when scientist Joseph Priestley first isolated oxygen, uh, it, he referred to it as deflostigated air. Oh. Because it was air that had no phlogiston in it, and therefore it could absorb more phlogiston. And like, if you put this phlogisticated air around a, a fire, it would make it burn more, which oxygen does, right? It, it makes combustion happen more readily. And the idea right. of the, the theory was, oh, it must be because this air has all the phlogiston taken out of it. And so it can absorb more. And therefore it can absorb more. Right. And it's, it's really weird to think about someone discovering oxygen. Yeah, right? Because it's basic. It's, you know. It's it's everywhere. It's every, I mean, the, nitrogen <laughs> would be even kind of weirder because it's like. Yeah. But oxygen is, you know, fundamental to life. It's around everywhere. You're looking at it all the time. But somebody was like, hmm, hey, I've discovered this thing. When, when did he discover it? 1774. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a long time. That's uh, both longer ago and less long ago than I thought. Yeah, it's kind of weird that they hadn't discovered oxygen for that until that far in until, his, that until the 1770s. And so yeah. that, this was like a 100 years after this phlogiston theory came around that they discovered oxygen. But that, that started to become like, then that's with chemistry starting to become more of a rigorous thing. They started discovering more problems. Um, so, for example, the, some... Uh, people discovered in the later 1700s that uh, some metals can burn. Well, it's well known that some metals can burn, but they discovered that some metals, when they burn, instead of losing mass, like if you burn uh, wood, it loses mass, right? Because the phlogiston is coming out of it, was the theory. Sure. But then there's some metals that when they burn, they gain mass. Well, what the heck? What the heck? Right? Yeah. You think that would be just a mortal that's wound? That's impossible. To, I mean, we all know that's impossible. You would think that would be impossible, but no, yeah. they they actually were able to to figure that out. It, the oh, the wow. reason how that could be the case that how how does something gain mass when it's losing phlogiston was that phlogiston actually has negative weight. Oh, yes. okay. Which you, Phlo- you you know that's a clever that's a clever solution yeah. to your problem when your data no longer fits your theory. You you just got it. And change it's, the cra- <laughs> it's it's completely crazy because we're talking about at this point we're talking about what the 1700s yeah that all this is happening in and all of this sounds like the kind of thing that like that like was going on in ancient greece mm-hmm. where the, there's just guys with beards sitting thinking <laughs> yeah like like you know the concept of an atom comes from i don't know if you know this but it actually comes from ancient greece ah, i did not know that yeah and i'm trying to remember the name of the philosopher but the the man who sort of is most well known today is is Epicurus. Have you have you heard that name or Epicurus? Yeah, he's I guess the, the, the the recipe website that he yeah, runs. Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. So he was a follower of a guy named Democritus. Okay. Yeah. And Democritus... We use his uh, voting system nowadays. <laughs> he, he created... Fun fact, Democritus created the formulation of an atomic theory of the universe. The hmm. idea that everything in the universe was made of atoms. Right. Right. And And in fact, the idea here was that all of the change in the universe happens because the atoms uh, hit each other. Right, which is pretty true. Well, sure. and But then at the time, I think it was Aristotle who said, okay, but why Why are the atoms, what started the atoms moving? Hmm. Well, I mean, that's a good question. Right. And so then Democritus said that atoms had a weight. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem with that is that if they all started someplace and all had a weight, they would all just fall at the same speed. Um, right. right. So okay. Epicurus, Epicurus created this idea called the swerve, where like basically periodically for no apparent reason, one atom would just move to the side sometimes. <laughs> right. And this is now we're starting to get into, I have an idea that makes some sense and has some explanatory power. And now I'm trying right. to defend that idea by creating more and more ridiculous ideas to keep my mental model the same, which is what these scientists did. In right. But we still use, in some sense, we still use this concept of atoms. Yeah. Which right? is they don't need to comes s- from... swerve to the side in order to make they don't, room for they other don't need, atoms. But there are actually quite a few things in modern quantum physics that sort of <laughs> are more true than we expected oddly match up to, to what they were thinking um uh, in like 300 bc or whatever the hell they were so the the phlogiston theory survived a little bit longer under this okay phlogiston has negative, negative weight. weight i'm yeah. into it uh but then they became at the end eventually sort of there's enough question marks popping up um that in the 1770s they came up with an alternative theory of combustion Uh-oh. which they called oxidization which is the idea of oxygen that sounds real yeah it was a, li- a little bit unfortunately for our alchemist and adventure uh alchemist and adventurer it is a little bit more real, this oxidation the idea that <laughs> oxygen being reactive and it likes to combine with other molecules. But I find, I still feel like the phlogiston theory, like it, the thing I love about it is that it makes so much sense initially if you don't know any, any of the actual yeah. chemistry or physics around it. It's like, right. hey, like why can some things burn and not other things burn? And what is this stuff coming out of my, this wood? Like, what is it? And like, oh, it's phlogiston. And it's like, oh, yeah, that seems reasonable and it and like when you burn different things the flames look pretty similar and some things can burn yeah but i because i've i've activated the phlogiston yeah exactly you've deflogisticated it i i I love that term deflogistication because it just seems completely unnecessary (laughs) like i could just say oh yeah no i just i mean did they not have the words set it on fire i I think they might have had those words too but when you're an alchemist and an adventurer you need you to make need, sense of the world. You know, you need to bring you order need fancy, to chaos. Fancy words. Yeah, you need your five dollar words. By the way, so it looks to me that like your guy Be- Becker, mm-hmm. which is definitely not how his name is pronounced. No, <laughs> no I think it would be Besha, but um, he did not name it phlogiston. No, it was it was his theory. I think he'd originated yeah. it, but he called it Terra Pinguis. I don't know why that didn't catch on. That's what I'm saying. That's a great. So he 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 eliminated fire, water, and air from the classical element model mm-hmm. and replaced them with three forms of earth: terra lapidae, terra fluida, and terra pinguis. Okay. And terra pinguis was the one that had oily, sulfurous, or combustible properties. Right. And it's that's what he believed was the key feature of combustion and was released when stuff was burned. And so when you put it in that way, it actually he seems much more reasonable. 
like as somebody who like comes up with this wild idea of like oh there's this thing that just is in stuff that's burnable and anything that's burnable has this thing in it that seems less ridiculous when it replaces everything is made out of air water fire and earth you know right yeah it's a little more you know and then the the person who actually changed it to phlogiston was a guy named Georg Ernst Stahl who was a also a German German chemist from so it's probably Stahl German chemist from Halle, which is actually really near where my wife grew up, he proposed a variant of the theory, and it was his one that kind of that kind of caught on. Mm-hmm. But he also didn't invent the term phlogiston. You're turning this fact back on me now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like you've 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 really inflamed me. Yeah, because you, I have this cool science fact, and you you you're like, yeah, and well, that's interesting. But I need to know about the linguistic origins of this phrase. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm being deflogisticated by your knowledge. Yeah, well, you just got to deflogisticate the fact until all of the <laughs> remaining interesting. <laughs> okay, so who popularized phlogiston? Like now we're now you've got us ha- left us hanging. Well, I think he popularized it. It just he didn't invent it. Ah, uh, I see. Because the word had he wasn't ta- writing until like the early 1700s, and apparently the word originated sometime in the early 1600s. And in a way that was similar to the way he was using it. But I think it just meant like to inflame. And then he just kind of took it to mean the substance that that did the inflaming. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad we got that cleared up. Yeah. You couldn't put it in a bottle, by the way. You couldn't put it in a bottle? Yeah. According to him, you could not. It fl- Phlogiston was a substance that was not able to be put into a bottle. Uh, I like the idea that that can exist. also that's a good definition what is this well it's a substance you can't put in a bottle like what (laughs) mental model do you have of substances that you can have a substance that you just can't put in a bottle it just won't go in there it just you just can't put it in well he said you could transfer it just not in a bottle it was like a bottle adverse i don't know maybe because there's is there no not enough oxygen in a bottle well, they did experiments. Like I was reading about, like they're doing experiments around about glass jars and 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 burning and oxygen and weighing and trying to. They like that's how they were able to discover things like well, yeah, discover, document, observe things like nitrogen and oxygen and stuff like that. Um, so they were they were trying stuff like that. But oh yeah, apparently some people thought that it was lighter than air, and that's why things gained mass when they burned. When you have flames, they go up. Right, so right. they must have negative weight. They must. You yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? There couldn't yeah. be any other explanation. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. So I just thought it was important to dunk on some people from the 1700s who were less wrong than the people before <laughs> them, but not as right as the people who wrote the textbooks that I then eventually learned these things from. Yeah, you think we're going to think about these things like in the future of like, oh my goodness, remember when we thought that whatever was whatever, like now. That social media would bring people closer together. Well, okay, we've already discovered that <laughs> sadness. <laughs> Fun fact, social media has negative weight. But, I mean, there's there's things that we just completely take for granted and that that everybody today doesn't really think critically about it. Or maybe there's a couple, like, cranks that are like, huh, everybody, the, whatever, the chemtrails. It feels like a lot of the things nowadays are more an issue of the facts are so complicated that we just don't really deal with them. So, you know, the fact that everything is made up of these tiny things that are almost exactly the same and that most of the space is actually empty, right? That 90% of atoms are empty. Yeah. I mean, like, it's difficult for us to, in our day-to-day life, observe any consequence of that. 
Right. It's like I still can't put my hand through a table, you know? I think so. the ones that are going to be much more like 100 years from now, though, like, can you believe that 100 years ago they believed are going to be medical and like uh, nutritional things? Like, they, they oh, believe for that sure this, nutrition. Yeah, right. They believe like, that <laughs> you didn't need this in your diet or that yeah. eating this amount of whatever was okay for yeah. you. And that in 2073, when they banned this thing, then rates of this disease plummeted. Yeah. yeah, false fun fact. All all that matters is fat. As long as it's low fat, it does not matter how many calories it has. Yeah, we tried that. <laughs> <laughs> we sure did. Hello, that. 90s. Yeah. How's the snack whales? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just load them <laughs> like, up with sugar. Yeah. Oh, fat my goodness. Free. <laughs> so I, earlier, I believe I heard you mention that you were hoping that I had more to say about ampersands. Yeah, I mean, if we could just do an all ampersand show, I would be happy. <laughs> Well, I I realized that I could share one more. It's not exactly ampersand related. It's sort of ampersand adjacent. I'll take an ampersand adjacent fact. Okay, so so remember that ampersand was not an, a word originally. People were children were just saying the failed version of or like condensed right. version of the song. Right. And so per se and per se and, and right. So fun fact: there's a word for that. <laughs> this is called a mondegrine. Oh, and you mishear a thing. Which is any word or phrase that exists because of a misheard or misinterpreted pronunciation. Right. What's fabulous about that is that the term mondegreen is a mondegreen. Is itself a mondegreen. So it was the term was coined in the nineteen fifty four by author Sylvia Wright. And she got it from an example from her own childhood where she misheard the lyrics to a 17th century ballad that she was apparently quite familiar with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the ballad is called the Bonnie Earl O'Moray. And she thought the words were, they have slain the Earl O'Moray and Lady Mondegreen, but they were actually, mm. they have slain the Earl O'Moray and laid him on the green. Right. But not into being familiar with the phrase or really uh, maybe as a kid understanding the context. Right. So she didn't, she just didn't know. So then I went looking for all of my favorite Mondegreens, now that I have the term. A lot of them come from songs. Like the famous one was the Jimi Hendrix. Right. Excuse me while I kiss this guy. Right. Instead of. Instead of kiss the sky, it's kiss right. this guy. And if you listen to the song with trying to hear that, it clearly sounds like that. Yeah. So I just sent you a long list of song lyrics that are, that have famous Mondegreens. Mm-hmm. My fa- the first one is, you know, Black Velvet, classic Atlanta Miles song, which uh, the original lyrics are a new religion that'll bring you to your knees, Black Velvet, if you please. And apparently some people think, it, think it's like Velveeta cheese. Okay, now I'm going to have to hear this one because I, <laughs> <laughs> I interpreted it as the correct like lyric. Like Velveeta cheese. <laughs> yeah so are there any in here that you know? i don't know i don't know if i trust it i think that might be someone trolling i don't oh hold on who's ever heard are you going to scarborough fair as are you going to starve an old friend that seems less ridiculous than velveta cheese <laughs> okay and i'm listening to black velvet by alana miles I, I found a few of these lists and they are so much fun some of the some of these i feel like i'm reading like stairway to heaven yeah and there's a wino down the road. I, I, I should have stolen Oreos. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like that's what you that's what you thought they were rocking out to, and like <laughs> I don't know. Well, okay, so yeah, you we don't. <laughs> like, I mean, I believe at least wanna... like a, maybe a child thought that, but like, no. But I feel like some of these, like, do you, do you ever listen to a song now as an adult and 
hear the lyrics and realize that you completely had it wrong your whole that life. Does, I do have that. You're just like, oh my goodness, like I didn't realize that at all. But some of these, I just don't know if I can. <laughs> believe them. Uh, yeah, like hit me with your best shot is hit me with your pet shark. Yeah, I don't, yeah. like I mean, the, you know, I believe the hold me closer, Tony Danza. Yeah, the hold me closer. To, well, the other thing with hold me closer. Well, I mean, it came from friends, yeah. so it's not a real one necessarily. Yeah, I want a new truck. That's a very different song than I want a new drug. I want to be sedated to I want a piece of bacon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. I don't know about these. I guess the idea is that you know it's it's in it, there's music playing and it's like loud. Yeah, and like a lot of, especially stuff from the 60s, especially 50s, 60s, and sometimes the 70s, like the recording clarity isn't very good. If they've recorded it in a room or mixed it to sound live, like the vocals are often pretty low in the mix, like compared to the other instruments. So a lot of rock music. And there's like infamous ones like... Inagata De Vida. Yeah, Inagata. Well, Louis, 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 Louis is like one that I've heard a couple times that, uh, you know the song I mean, like... they don't actually know what the words are yeah it's like unknown what the words are yeah like there's controversy at least about what the words even were supposed to have been the iron butterfly song in agata de vida was actually called in the garden of eden and at some point i don't know someone asked one of the people in the band like what the song was called like one of the maybe the record label or something and one of the guys in the band just literally didn't had had not understood it and thought it was called in agata de vida and that's what he told the the record label. <laughs> oh, interesting. So it's like the the person who wrote the words knew and singing. The person singing yeah. knew it was in the Garden of Eden, but then someone else relayed that just what he heard and thought it was nonsense. Yeah, or the Latin or something. In the Garden yeah. of Eden, honey. In the Garden of Eden, honey. Don't you know I'm loving you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense than well. I just always just assume. No, oh, yeah, I don't know what in a God of Eden is. <laughs> it sounds like a Latin phrase though. Well, so what I'm reading here is that it was the title was supposed to be in the Garden of Eden, but someone wrote it in Agata de Vida, possibly while drunk on a demo copy, and it sounded cooler. Well, I mean, that's how, the way he sings it. Yeah, yeah. And Agata Vida, baby. Yeah. But, and then, I don't know, I think some people now say maybe that's not true. I don't know. We don't know for sure, but I do believe that. So some of these are much more, much more plausible, where it's just like a nonsense <laughs> thing instead of... Yeah, like uh, not not a silly thing like Oreos, but like this uh, goodbye yellow brick road. There's a dark cloud inside the house. If if you if like it just reads as like yeah, that's the kind of thing that might be an Elton John song. Well, I like the if we will rock you. You know the classic Queen song. Did you know that it actually goes? You've got mud on your face. Front disc breaks. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Roger Taylor getting his car references in there. He just can't stop. Just it. makes sense, you know. Yeah, it just, I just feel like it makes more sense. That makes a lot of yeah. That <laughs> makes a lot more sense than mud on your face. I think. Oh man! Hit me with your pet shark again. Yeah, yeah, uh. that's a good one. So, by the way, Wikipedia is claiming that Inagata de Vida is actually a reverse Mondegreen, as in it like it was intended to be Inagata de Vida, but then people heard it though. The, as in the yeah, maybe sense. maybe that's what it is, or maybe that it's so you create it. That looks like it's gibberish, but it actually disguises the true meaning. Hmm. Okay. That that's the what people were saying. Louis Louis had purposely had f- offensive stuff in it that he would just slur so badly that you couldn't tell the offensive words, so it wouldn't get censored. Yeah. Well, the, the apparently the the canonical example is that Mersey Dotes song. Do you know that song? Yeah. Is that one offensive? <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's just a reverse Mondegreen because it's <laughs> they say in the song. So the lyrics are Mersey Dotes and Dozy Dotes and Little Lambsy Divey. Yeah. 
But then they say later in the song, if the words sound weird, sing, mares eat oats and does eat oats and little lambs eat ivy. So they cha- they, they tell you what the, what the actual lyrics are. Right, yeah. So it's purposely, yeah, it's purposely, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For novelty humor purposes. Yeah, and the title of it is Marzy Dotes. Like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. M A I R Z Y space D O A T S. Marzy Dotes. And no, no surprise that people heard like incorrect things in Rock the Casbah. Right, for sure. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume that some of these are, yeah, are intentional, right? Like, like I'm just a squirrel instead of I'm just a girl by no doubt. Like, I feel like this is just people making up <laughs> silly lyrics that it, it's funny to pretend that they're saying that. Yeah, I don't think anyone really believes that one. Uh, Although I do think that the fr- the song Freshman by Verb Pipe, instead of I could not believe we'd ever die for these sins, I think that could definitely be I could not believe we ever got 40 cents because they are college students. Have you seen that? The I can't remember the name. I'm, I'm struggling with it now. Uh, I'm going to try to find it. But that Italian sort of nonsense song. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, here it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Adriano. Down, down, down. Celentano. Down, 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 down. Prison, colon, ancient. Prison, kids, Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. I think that's that's the other way around. That it's like, it's intentionally, that's a song. Yeah, that's, so that's a reverse Mondegreen where he's he's intentionally making it. As if you should sound like you recognize what it, something sensible yeah, in it. Yeah, it's supposed to be like they're speaking. It's supposed to It's supposed to reference the way that foreign language people might sing an english song Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't matter what they're actually saying yes yes but there are some incredible videos on youtube where all they're doing is giving you like lyrics (laughs) that are like what they're supposedly in the presecusical song yeah 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 they'll they'll have like lyrics on the screen Yeah, yeah yeah where they'll show you what what he's actually supposedly saying. The great thing about that prison Colin Keys Cole song is that it's also just like a really catchy song. It's so catchy. Oh man, I love that one. Yeah. So yeah, so I think that one's absolutely great. Dun, and I will dun, link dun, that in. There. All right. You know, yeah, yeah. It's so good. You know. Uh any other amount of we need to call out? I don't think so, but I will call out the fact that my mouse has once again stopped working. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> harpoon that one. No, it's 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 eighty one percent charged. Genetics got eighty one. It's not enough. Eighty one's not enough. That's what I learned. Yeah, I'm gonna have to like plug it in and harpoon it anyway, just to get it to like recognize that I exist. Pie. That did it. Yeah, eh. I had to harpoon and then unharpoon. I am a late adopter on wireless stuff. When something is okay. wireless. I'll be like, you all just figure that out for a few years. And eventually, when I have to, I'll adopt a wireless thing. Okay. Uh, obviously, like Wi-Fi was a big enough improvement. But when it gets to like the mouse, it's like, my mouse cord is not annoying me enough to want to like have my mouse sometimes not work. I mean, I wish I could just leave it plugged in all the time. I leave my keyboard plugged in all the time because you can, and mm-hmm, then I don't mm-hmm. ever have to charge it. And I don't feel constricted. I mean, maybe, you know, in, in, in Johnny Ives' white world, then maybe, you know, that's a problem. Right, that there could possibly be a wire on your desk at any time. Well, the thing with the... I just assume he throws them in the trash when they run out of power <laughs> and just like opens another one from a giant stack he has. Because at some point, you're going to have to plug them in, and then the wire is going to be there, but less well-placed. Probably people go around and scurry around and charge all the stuff when he's not in the office, honestly. You think he leaves for the day and, and they just charge all his stuff? That could be. 
I I think it's unlikely he even uses a computer. <laughs> Does he? Is he ever even used a computer? Uh, um, he just he just closes his eyes and like the like the Greek philosophers, he closes his eyes and meditates on. Yeah, you don't have to use a thing to know what it should be. How could we really get this thing down to the essence? Yeah, does it need to charge? <laughs> Is what do you, does it need deflogistication? Does it need to be deflogisticated? Deflogistication. That is such a hard word to say. I know, but it's so good. I think we bring it back. I think instead of because people have trouble with flammable and inflammable and all that kind of stuff, we just much simpler. Inflammable Flo- means flammable, and people don't understand that. A country. So I feel like phlogisticatable and deflogisticatable. So is is phlogisticable non-flammable? If it's phlogisticable, then it, well, basically a phlogisticable thing is what we would now refer to as, as an oxygenated, a source of oxygen. Okay. Or, or an oxidizer, right? Because something that so can, that's... can pull the flames out <laughs> in, the, in the... So there is no word in that thing for non-flammable. Uh, non-flammable would be, un, would be deflogisticated or unphlogisticated. Like if there's no... Oh, phlogis- unphlogisticatable. Yeah. Well, not so phlogistication. Or phlogistication is put some when you put phlogiston <laughs> into something, right? So oh. the air becomes phlogisticated when oh, right, thing right, right. burns when it's on into fire. The air. It's being phlogisticated because right? you don't have to think. You have to really flip your brain for it to work. The fire is going into the air. Okay, so so flammable would be phlogisticatable. Fly, fire is the phlogiston, and the and the object and a thing. The thing that is flammable is something that can be phlogisticatable. N- well, it because it if was, you can put phlogisticate if you can put phlogiston into it, then it would be flammable. It'd be on fire. There's not right? that many things that you can like f- like burn and then make reburnable. But if you could, then oh, yeah, it would it's be inherently it's inherently. It it has phlogiston in it, and then it lets it out, and then that's why, and then the air around it is on fire. The air on it gets phlogiston in it, and then the plants, when the plants grow, <laughs> we covered this. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> right. So I still don't feel like I have a good sense of how to describe whether a thing can burn or not in this in this world. Wait, whether or not fire can burn? No, no, no. So I have a, a piece of wood. Okay, yeah. And I want to describe that it is flammable. Yeah, so it has phlogiston in it. Ah, okay. Phlogisticated. So this thing is phlogisticated, whereas something that would not be flammable would not be phlog- would be unphlogisticated. Yeah, exactly. Flammable things are things that have phlogiston in it. The phlogiston can come out, and there it's like it's like a spring loaded for the phlogiston to come out and right. in the form of fire. Okay. Or what? Okay. What okay. people, what the ancients would have called fire, but we now recognize as phlogiston. Okay. So is it? Is it? Is it weird if I say that I still think that even after having that level of discussion necessary, I still think it's clearer than flammable and inflammable? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, flammable and inflammable do mean exactly the same thing, right? They mean the same okay. thing, yeah. and people for sure don't get that. Uh, yeah. F- fun fact, inflammable means flammable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm still reading yeah. Mondegreens. Non-flammable. Yeah, Mondegreens are just, it's the gift that keeps on greening. But like, I've, the ones that are interesting to me are the ones that like... The ones that are plausible. Right. No, it has to be. I have to believe that it might have actually happened. And a lot of these I, I don't. Like, like uh, here's here's an example of a double Mond- Mondegreen where they're saying that people heard Inagata de Vida as I'm the god of Velveeta. What? What's with the Velveeta? Why, <laughs> why do people think people are singing about Velveeta? Well, Velveeta is very big in the United States. I think it's time for follow-up. <laughs> oh, okay. I 
very much agree. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, a couple of little follow-ups. Progress on uh, the RSI situation. Are you bro- are you unbroken? So yet? I've been. Uh, you suggested I take a break. I did. Uh, I was a little resistant to that idea, um, but of course that's the actual thing to do when you are having strain and pain um, from from doing something too much. So I I got to the point around when we recorded the last show that I it was just becoming too much, and like I was noticing there were just things I'm not I wasn't doing um, because. Mm they would either hurt or aggravate uh, my RSI. And so I did some research and I have done all of the things as suggested. I have started doing stretches. I've stopped, I paused doing video games. Uh, I've got an ergonomic keyboard. I've got ergonomic mouse. I've got a wrist brace at night. I've got like 10 different things. And Ten different things. Some of them are working. I'm not sure which ones. Well, it's a trial and error thing. Yeah, well, it's trial. Like I'm trialing 10 things simultaneously and like, there's no error because like it is improving oh and then the the mouse sensitivity thing um of make making it much more backed off so it's less it's hard on my wrist so overall it is improving i think the important thing is that you don't now backslide i think there's a tendency to see some amount of progress and then immediately start doing all the things again mm-hmm. it has to kind of be a continual thing and you do need to give yourself some real serious time to heal uh before you jump in again and then the other thing is recognizing in the future the symptoms yes so you can right now you're gonna have to spend some crazy amount of time doing all these things and taking it easy but if if once you're feeling sort of better the next time you get to a danger zone as long as you recognize it earlier you can take a day or two off and be fine well i think in particular for me i mean not using a computer or whatever is much more challenging than yeah than not playing video adding games. back more of these things yeah not playing video games is easy um, but the stretches i think actually are quite helping quite a bit like i'm not doing them even that off, often but even just like you know pulling back on the and and trying to loosen up those tendons that are unhappy seems to be helping quite a bit that's awesome so the next piece of follow-up we have here is from my wife friend of the show <laughs> very much so who pointed out to me that when i when i said the name of the fictional but totally real German politician last time. And I said immediately after saying his last name that I was pretty sure I pronounced it wrong. She was like, yeah, you totally did pronounce it wrong. And she was like, why didn't you ask me how to pronounce it before we re- you recorded? And I thought about it and I realized that it was because I didn't say it out loud before then. And so it didn't occur to me that I didn't know how to say it. But it is apparently a mistake that I make very, very often in German where what I said was Mirscheid. Uh, no wait that's correct what i said was mirscheid and it's mirscheid and so that's like the ieei thing is is for whatever reason even as you can see when i was trying to do the follow-up is extremely confusing to me oh so in but german ie and ei are pronounced differently yes ah okay cool yeah so this this guy's name is was mirscheid oh right because it's ie at the beginning and ei at the end so me Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind next time I'm trying to pronounce a German name. You'll ask my wife. I'll, uh, yeah, that's the lesson. <laughs> ask your wife. Not remember the IE thing, which I will probably obviously not remember. I will just send her a message. Just ask Daria. Yeah. I did get a lot of practice. Uh, my first job was in like customer service at an ISP, and I would be calling a lot of people and then have to ask, is so-and-so there? And so I got a mm. lot of practice pronouncing and trying to correctly guess because people would annoyingly correct you if you were wrong. Or not annoyingly, like annoyedly. Annoyed. They would be annoyed yeah. at me. The for, people are annoyed. Yeah. Yes. And so I... Uh, I'm often that guy. I got a lot of... Yeah, you get it all the time with people calling you 
uh, Eric and things like this. Um, but, All kinds yeah. of things, yeah. um, but the uh, practice was help- really helpful because I, I would think about it and I would try it and I would get immediate feedback. <laughs> Learning environment. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, the next thing says dead met. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Uh, I mean, no, I just super don't. <laughs> I have no idea. Do you know? Do you not know? Was that not you? I'm sure that that was me. Okay. okay. It was, it was, I assume it was something about my dead metaphor thing. Oh, right. You're like, oh, just note to self two weeks for now. Do, do the follow up thing about the dead metaphor. <laughs> and I, clearly, I need to become better at adding follow up notes for myself. That's great. But I have no idea. <laughs> What that was. Oh, um, actually, mm, just a sec. I think I might know. Oh, do you know what it was? Metaphor. Ah, uh, actually, I do. Came in oh, by email. Okay. Oh, that's right. It came in by email. Uh, and actually, someone yeah. else mentioned this verbally, and then this is also came in by email. Uh, this thing of the 3D printed save icon. Right. The idea. So we got an email from from Matt Stevens. Is it okay to say his full name? I don't know what's the policy. If you, I feel like unless you say it's anonymous. Yeah. Okay. So we we got an email from Matt Stevens who said that they heard a story at work about someone finding a, an old stash of three and a half inch floppy disks, and one of the new hires who was too young to have seen them before said, "Oh, cool! Someone three D printed a save icon." Yes, and that which is hilarious. Yeah, which is great because someone who I, I didn't just have. The three, the like floppy disk. I had, oh, I had the five and a quarters. I briefly had the actual giant, like ten inch, actually like, floppy floppy what? ones. Yeah, because I had a computer that was old, as old as me. At one point, I don't know if they were ten inch, okay. nine inch, but like giant, giant, like really floppy ones. It was great, and it go in chunk into the. I went straight from a, a TI ninety nine four A, which had like audio cassette tapes, to my dad having like a compact eighty eighty six that I was not often allowed to use and, and and that had and then i think my mom had like a 386 later that also had maybe maybe had four, five and a quarter or that maybe Would that was 80, just 86 have had five and a quarter floppies we definitely had a bunch of uh, five and a quarter floppies in my house that yeah. i would use i'm looking yeah no i'm looking at the pictures of it it's totally a five and, and a quarter it was a compact uh 8086 and it i'm looking at the pictures and it definitely yeah, has sure enough. Five and a, five oh, okay uh, that is like a really interesting side conversation that we'll totally keep in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I want to introduce this because I feel like I have a little thing about it. Um, so next thing, the next thing on the follow-up list is about Jimmy's, which was in the review of Pennsylvania English, definitely my favorite phrase, or at least it was my favorite phrase out of the list of things <laughs> in Pennsylvania English, according to our research, that people there would refer to sprinkles as jimmies, uh, which then I concluded in the episode that I would then th- from here on refer to sprinkles as jimmies. Yeah, uh, because you're a bad person. Which apparently makes me potentially a bad person. So fill us in <laughs> on that. Yeah. So friend of the show and my brother-in-law, Jeffrey, sent in via Twitter a link to a discussion about whether or not the term Jimmy's has a racist past. Mm. Now, reading through all the stuff that he sent, he also said that they also call them Jimmy's in Philadelphia, which is where he grew up. But reading through all of the various links I could find, it doesn't look like it does 
have a racist past? Yeah, the Snopes, like Snopes.com, for you know, for better or for worse, does typically come down on one side or another of anything. It tends to be like either this is probably true or it's probably not true. And this is one of the few ones where it's just like, eh, I don't know. They 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 describe it as unproven. They do finish with a piece about that there is no evidence that that it was called that and that that it would be likely if it was that there would be a lot of brands and artwork around that because in the 30s and 40s when this would have been a common term it was not uncommon to have racist brand names and artwork and so it would be likely the what snopes snopes tends to to line up on is the idea that people assumed it was a slur and i think that that happens uh, often Another example of that was a coworker of mine recently suggesting that they had heard that picnic, the term picnic was a was had a, a racist past, which is a hundred percent not accurate. And you can go to Snopes, and they're very very clear about that one. So that that one definably false. But it does show that like with some of the stuff we either don't know or we can't quite tell. What's interesting to me is. This thing that, regardless of whether or not it is provable, and it seems like the evidence is points towards it's probably not. Uh, it's probably not the origin of it. Um, the it's probably not racist origin of this thing. The fact that, from what I was reading, there is a growing or at least non-trivial number of people that associate as it being a potentially or probably racist thing. That there are people that are not saying it now intentionally or see it as potentially offensive. And once that happens, regardless of whether or not it really is offensive, you can start to have the population of a population of people who, when then they hear that they will take offense or assume that you are being careless or insensitive or potentially knowingly using it, even though it may cause offense. And so you can have this weird kind of like viral thing where by association, even if it's not actually factual, something can then become I think that it's maybe just best not said, even if it, it, like basing your decision on fact seems like the ideal thing is like, oh, well, it will figure it out. And if we can prove that it was that it was racist, then we shouldn't say it. And if we are it doesn't seem like there's evidence, then, you know, you I should be able to say it and you shouldn't be offended by that. But if there's a, a certain tipping point where people are stopping saying it because they think it might be or they're not convinced that it's not and then there's some people who are saying it because they don't care that it might be offensive, then you start to have to kind of sort yourself into one of those two groups. Yeah. It's a very tricky path to walk down because I see, I think that it's frustrating when it's a word that, you know, there, there's no reason not to use that. We almost create hatred where there wasn't any, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, if you, if you're representing yourself in a certain way and it has an effect on people, you need to be aware of the effect you're having on people. Even if in some, in some technical way, you're like, well, this isn't what this means. If you know that those words affect people in a certain way, you still have to have the ownership of what you're doing. And at some point you're standing up for principles is indistinguishable from the hateful person. So it's, it's on you at that point to decide, you know, how do I want to present myself and in general picking a battle of like no 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 you shouldn't be offended by this person who's offended by it is typically just not a great battle to be it's not a it's a just a just a, a really hard battle 
not a very good one in, in, in general. I will say that I, I think it's easier for me with something like this because it's not a term I use. Yeah, I don't need to start <laughs> saying Jimmy, so I, I can never, just stop it. So now that I know that it's potentially misunderstood as something awful, I, I mean, I wasn't planning on using it anyway, but you were, and now you probably won't. I, I think it would be harder if it was something that, you know, if, if, if it was something like picnic and people were suddenly saying, no, you can't use the word picnic. And it's like, well, that's completely based on nothing. Yeah. And I don't really and, have a good alternative thing to call that thing. Right. And now you're just making a problem. Yeah. Whereas I don't currently have a problem. Well, I didn't have a problem with Jimmy's a couple of weeks ago and now I back to <laughs> not having it, a problem. Now I'm I back just to not say it, so. using them. Yeah. So we, re- we retract our request for everybody to use that word. <laughs> Uh, we retract Alan. Alan retracts Alan's request. <laughs> I continue. We officially to, uh, apologize as the two of us. <laughs> I would like people to go back and listen and hear that it is just Alan. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that I say that not everyone agrees with, uh, our last item comes from Aline Sims has written in um, to friend of the show. friend of the show has written in to make the connection in between my discussion of uh, Toronto being East Coast or not (laughs) uh, as being similar to an argument that she has and apparently some people have about whether or not Seattle is by the ocean. Which it's not. Which I thought was interesting because you're from Seattle and I also, I would, I, I could definitely be vulnerable to saying that it was by the ocean, but it's not. It's on. It's on Puget Sound. Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's, Vancouver is the same way. Like Vancouver isn't on the, like on the open ocean. It's on a and like a lot of the uh, Seattle's much farther away from the ocean. Yeah, though. like if you were to like get in a boat on the water in Seattle, and you were like, okay, how how long do I need to go to get onto the quote unquote open ocean? It's like far further. Yeah, I mean, I, when when growing up in Seattle, if you want to go to the Pacific Ocean, it's like a trip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not that far, but it's not, it's for sure not on the ocean. And I currently live in the Bay Area, which parts of which are 100% on the ocean. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just very, very different. But I think but, that the, there is how you, the, like the two things that are complicated here. One is, uh, quote unquote, by the ocean. Like, right. It's undefined. How close. It's the same dumb argument as I was having is like, oh, is it where, how far away from the coast do you get before you're not on the coast and you're like i don't know how far away but definitely more than this or less than this and it's the same thing it's like okay well how far away from the ocean do you need to be before you're by the ocean because i think that i mean it's like a two-hour drive to the yeah yeah to the actual ocean from seattle yeah and i think that so i don't know if you're a two-hour drive just straight into a desert from the ocean then i would say you're not by the ocean but because there's that little saltwater inlet there i, feel I like know it feels kind of a little confusing I, it's ocean adjacent you get, you get some orcas uh, up in there don't, don't you sometimes they like swim up into or the something into the sound yeah yeah sometimes yeah so did they did they leave the ocean at that point yeah it's ocean adjacent well i mean technically toronto is also on the ocean because of that we as we discussed previously i don't know if this is the st lawrence saltwater there i don't think so i don't know but that river does that the lake ontario does eventually connect to the pacific uh, the atlantic ocean right didn't we discover that yeah but i think it's freshwater there whereas like puget sound right up to seattle is salt water isn't it is all salt water yeah i will say that a friend of mine from toronto messaged me to let me know that he also thinks that it's the east coast but well, well from toronto really <laughs> well he <laughs> shout out to my buddy drew yeah you're gonna I get some mail now we gotta get, <laughs> get a contact information send your email to drew he but he also doesn't think you live in canada 
Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. He's, he, okay. He thinks. He thinks. Oh, you're from Montreal? No, that's Quebec. <laughs> like, uh, like, no, not Canada. Like, wh- you know, he 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 thinks you're a hippie. He thinks you're a Vancouver hippie. Oh, okay. So he likes to he likes to present himself as this the worst Torontonian. Okay. I mean, it seems. I think he's doing pretty good. He's making some enemies. <laughs> His opinions are of Toronto is East Coast and <laughs> British Columbia is not part of Canada. <laughs> Although he also said that it was totally fine if you insulted Ottawa. I think most people would be okay with that in Canada. <laughs> like, not all people in Ottawa, but, like, I think most yeah. people not in Ottawa would be chill with that. And then, like, a certain percentage, like a two-digit percentage okay. of Ottawa. But officially, officially speaking, Toronto is not the East Coast of anything. And <laughs> Seattle is not by the ocean. <laughs> So. I would say Seattle is more by the ocean than Toronto is East Coast, probably. Agreed. Yeah. I would agree with that. But then, yeah. the, then a question also pops out is like, is Vancouver by the ocean? And I'd be like, say, I, I mean, it's closer to the ocean than Seattle. But if you're going to use that definition that like Puget Sound isn't the ocean just because it's ocean water, then uh, like the Strait of Georgia isn't the open ocean either. Like if I'm going to visit the ocean ocean, like we're going to go to the far side of Vancouver Island. And that is like a day trip. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is that uh, that you have Vancouver Island's in the way. Yeah, yeah, it's a little more complicated because it's just an island in the way. But yeah, I would tend to agree with you that you got to go to like Tofino or or Asilialet. Uh, uh, How do you even what? say that? <laughs> <laughs> so that's I very much appreciate your attempt to pronounce Euclid. Euclid? How how is that pronounced? Euclid? Not not Euclid. Euclid. Yeah, U Q, but the, it's L U. How are you? How you do? Oh yeah, it's, it's like Swanson. It's weird. It's just weird. Just just roll with it, okay? This is of no interest. To no <laughs> Maps on a podcast. <laughs> Maps of a place that that we're from that you're probably not from on a podcast. Yeah, I know. This is the con- that's what they stand up for. <laughs> Come a boss die.